Good morning. We are going to go ahead and jump in this morning. We are pushing forward further into 2 Timothy this morning. This is still our series called Letters from the Pastor. Again, if you've not been with us, uh, we've already walked through 1 Timothy and Titus together as a faith family, and so now we are jumping uh, head on into 2 Timothy. Again, we are still seeing Paul writing to Timothy, writing a very personal letter to Timothy, and now he's going to write to Timothy specifically and also to us today that as believers in Christ, as faithful believers in Christ, we are commissioned and empowered to be faithful gospel teachers of the word of God and the good news of Jesus Christ. So let's just go ahead and get into our passage this morning in 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 14. And what I hope and pray that we will all see together is more of the call to teach Um, especially as faithful believers in Christ. So let's hear Paul's words. Again, I recognize there's a lot of distractions happening, a lot happening in the life of our day. Pastor Corey alluded to uh, the morning that several of us have already uh, having here as leadership. I imagine many of us are under a lot of stress, under a lot of pressures. And so if we could, let's just put all that aside for a moment and realize that we are now living in a time, if you take a step back, we are living in a time where uh, where gospel teaching is needed now more than ever, not only to the world, but also to the local church and to us as well. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I would encourage you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We will begin reading in verse 14, and once you can and you are able, I would invite you now to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Now again, these are Paul's words to the church at Ephesus, especially to Timothy for us today as well. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 14, Paul writes... Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone whose names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as wholly useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. 
God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you right now thanking you for your wisdom. We thank you for your word, for your grace. Father, we ask that in just the next few moments that we have together that you and you alone, O Lord, would be glorified. Father, we pray that over these next few moments as we pause to reflect on your word, as we worship you through the study of your word, Father, help us to be hearers, help us to be doers, focus our hearts and our minds on your truth, and God, we pray that in these next few moments that you and you alone would be glorified. You are the great and mighty God, the Lord of the heavens and the earth. And Father, we pray that in our lives, in our churches, in our words, may your grace abound now more than ever. And so in these next few moments that we have together, Father, we ask and pray that you and you would be glorified alone, just your name being made much of. Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for delighting in us. And God, we give you all the glory today. For it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, what you can already see here in verses 14 through 26 is we are now actually going to be adding to the previous images that we've already seen, images of the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer back in verses 1 through 13. And so now what Paul's going to introduce us to and introduce Timothy to as well is three more images to further describe the nature of ministry. Now, the images that we're going to see today will be that of the workman, the clean vessel, and also the Lord's servant. And each of these images are going to be used to highlight the importance of teaching and the need for faithful gospel teachers. You see, Paul, in writing to Timothy here in verses 14 through 26, is writing of the act of teaching. He's also writing of the character of a faithful teacher and also the dangers of false teachers and the dangers of false teaching that have now infiltrated both the church and also the community in Ephesus. So for us today, as we study these words together, let us pay close attention to Paul's words this morning because we too are now living in a time where false teaching is entering the dialogue of believers. So you see, as people of God, we need to begin to see that God's word is being misconstrued and, and used and abused in order to affirm people's thoughts and opinions, whether that opinion is about the pandemic or whether it's about their own political views. And so now, more than ever, we need more believers. We need more of the body of Christ to be faithful in teaching the word and faithful in teaching the capital T truth that is found in the word of God. And so Paul, this morning, is going to encourage Timothy in light of the lack of biblical teaching that is happening in Ephesus through these false teachers, he's going to encourage him to now be faithful to the call of being a faithful gospel teacher. 
And so in verse 14, Paul opens with a charge to Timothy. He says to him, remind them of these things. Now again, if you underline in your Bible or you take notes in your Bible, then I would encourage you to underline the phrase, these things, because it's literally referring to the previous section where Paul urged Timothy to pass on the gospel. We read about that last week in verses 1 through 13. At the same time, Paul is encouraging Timothy to share what it is that Paul taught him and to not make up his own personal opinion or his own personal view of the message of the gospel. You see, for us today, in looking at this first phrase of verse 14, we need to realize that as faithful gospel teachers, our job is to teach these things, the these things being the good news of Jesus Christ found according to his word. In other words, the these things that Paul is referring to can better be called today sound doctrine. In other words, as people of God, we are called and commissioned with the task of reminding people over and over and over again of God's word. And we should never grow weary of this particular task. In fact, as God's people today, it is our responsibility not to, not to teach our own personal opinions, but rather teach the convictions that come from knowing the very word of God. And so you see Paul by his own life, Paul by his own example, made it a point to teach and to remind the people of God of the crucified and risen Savior whose name is Jesus. He speaks of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and he speaks of it again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 of the importance of the calling to faithfully teach. So as believers... Like Paul, we must continue repeating over and over and over again the gospel. We must continue repeating over and over and over again the good news of Jesus Christ. Why? So that people can hear the good news. We repeat it over and over again, not only for non-Christians to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, but we repeat it again for the purpose of edifying and encouraging other believers, especially when they're feeling down and they're discouraged by life circumstances. We also need to be repeating the gospel over and over and over again in order to keep ourselves individually encouraged of the hope that we now have. It's the same thing that we read when we read the words of John Newton, who in one of his most popular hymns wrote this line. He said, redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. Now, in coming back to our text, Paul continues by saying to Timothy, charge them before God not to quarrel about words. You see, Timothy here is told to avoid such talk because this, this talk is not profitable and according to Paul, it will ruin the hearers. And so here's the truth that we need to, to understand from this particular phrase is that teachers that abandon the scriptures as their primary source of instruction will not only damage people, but they will continue to create division within the church. 
And so once a teacher, once a, a, a proclaimer of the gospel abandons biblical revelation for human speculation, the final court of authority has now been removed. And if there is no common source of authority, which for us is the very word of God, then we will see more and more people fight over all kinds of issues. And the reality is many of the issues that they will fight over will not matter in the grand scheme of life. And so now Paul is setting the table for what it is that he's going to write next. You see, in order to be reminded of the gospel and to not argue over trivial matters, Paul is now going to turn his attention to three specific images. And so today, we're going to look together at the three images used to describe the character of a faithful gospel teacher. Our first image is found in verses 15 through 19, and it's found in the image of the approved worker. You see, in these particular verses, Paul is now going to make a sharp contrast in between the two types of workmen. One will be seen as devoted and approved after being attested, and the other will be seen as not being devoted and thus not approved because they failed the test of authenticity. And so Timothy is going to be called upon to be the example of the approved worker who handles God's word faithfully and correctly. And yet, on the other hand, we are going to be given the examples of Hymenaeus and Philetus, who were not devoted to the word of God, and therefore their teaching was beginning to damage and corrupt people. So if you look at verses 15 through 16, you'll see the image of the good worker. This is also the approved worker. This particular worker that Timothy is being called to is a hard worker, similar to that of the farmer that we talked about last week in verse 6. He recognizes his daily need to work, his daily need to work for the glory of God, and realizes that he does this work without the fanfare and celebration of the people. This is why Paul looks to Timothy and calls Timothy to do your best according to verse 15. In other words, when you read that phrase, you need to understand that Paul is saying to Timothy and to us today that you are going to sweat as a faithful gospel teacher. In other words, to be a believer in Jesus Christ is to be commanded to teach and proclaim the word of God, which means that because of that, as a faithful gospel teacher, there is now no room for slackers and there is now no room for laziness, especially for those of us who speak and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, we need to understand today that gospel work is hard work. A teacher that is of worth will be one who works hard in preparation and in delivery of, of the very word of God. You see, before there can be any success in the classroom, before there can be any success from the pulpit or any success in our public or personal conversations about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then there must first be diligent study in the very word of God. You see, biblical teaching is labor-intensive. As 
proclaimers of the message, as one who present the hope and the glory that is found in Jesus Christ our Lord, our goal should be to give a message that is aligned with Scripture, is clear and also understandable to the hearers. And in the midst of trying to be clear and articulate, we also now have to recognize that proclaiming the very Word of God can and will be controversial as well. You see, the Word of God itself is a life-giving book. There is no other book like it. It doesn't matter what's the number one book sale on Amazon. It doesn't matter what Time Magazine tells us is the number one book to read. The only book that is life-giving is the Holy Bible because it has and contains the very truth of the gospel and it is the very word of God. And so we need to realize that when this book is proclaimed, which, oh, by the way, is the responsibility of all of us in this room as Christians. When this book is being proclaimed, critics will rise up. People will try to stop you from proclaiming the word of God. And so in today's times, with more critics to silence, In today's world, with more questions to answer, with more waves of discouragement to endure, with more work to be done, we need to recognize that in order to be an approved worker, in order to be a good worker, we need to recognize that we need to be and become a God-centered worker. This is why Paul says in verse 15, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. You see, the worker who is God-centered recognizes that God has put them in the position that they are now in. And so as a worker for God, being God-centered, they live lives for the approval of God and not for man. A worker who is approved by God, who is centered on God, will not be ashamed of the gospel message that he or she has been called to proclaim. A God-centered worker is a worker who has a God-centered vision. And that vision, according to the word, will sustain teachers in difficult times. So as an unashamed worker, as the gospel teachers, let us focus on being faithful to the word of God and not being flashy nor famous. Paul then goes on to tell us, That the good worker in verse 15 is one who rightly handles the word of truth. Now this particular phrasing literally means that the teacher will cut straight the path. Now it's interesting because the word straight that we have here is actually where we get the word like orthodoxy. And so the very definition of orthodoxy is the teaching or belief that rightly aligns with scripture and the historic Christian faith. So... For Paul speaking to Timothy, like a road maker cutting a straight path, Timothy is now called to keep the hearers of the word on the path of truth by clearing for them a path to walk. And we do this by remaining faithful to God's holy word. You see, 
We need to recognize today, and Paul was seeing it in his day, Timothy was seeing it in Ephesus. Man, we are seeing it now today. There are plenty of people who are twisting the word of God. There are plenty of people out there who are twisting the very meaning of the word of God. And so now in a time where we, we are now in a time where we need more people who can and will accurately handle the word of God. And the people who can and will accurately handle the word of God are the people who find themselves daily immersed in the very word of God. But now notice Paul's not done there. He gets to verse 16 and speaking to Timothy and he says this, he says, but avoid irreverent babble. In other words, here Paul teaches us that the teacher who has neglected the very truth of the word of God will be the one that gets caught up in distractions that are both irreverent but also irrelevant. So as faithful gospel teachers, our goal should always be godliness and not godlessness. You see, our goal should always be cultivating the right handling of the word of God because in the days ahead, we are gonna be called upon to stay grounded in the beauty and the truth that is God's holy word. That is the calling of the approved worker. That is the calling of the good worker. But notice Paul gives us two images here. You see, you get into verses 17 through 19 and you get the image of the bad worker. Now here, Paul continues with the word picture that now goes from cutting a path and road construction to now one that is a little bit more uh, centered and focused on archery. And so he, he likens the bad worker to a marksman's Target, And so here he gives us the example of two men, Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have now been led into empty talk. And according to Paul in verse 18, have swerved away from the truth. Now, again, if you underline or highlight in your Bible, circle the word swerved here, because it literally means missing the target. Now, the truth that they were missing dealt specifically with the resurrection, they were teaching that the resurrection has already happened. Now, did the resurrection happen? Yes, Jesus did rise from the dead. And yes, there will be a day where believers have been and will be raised with Christ. We know this from Ephesians chapter two, verse six. However, these false teachers, particularly Gnostics, were denying a future bodily resurrection, saying that the body was evil and therefore bodily resurrection was both unnecessary and counterproductive. And so we have to ask ourselves, what was the result of this false teaching? Well, in verse 18, Paul tells us. He says that they were upsetting the faith of some. In other words, false teaching results in death and can result in leading people away from God. This is why Paul compares false teaching in verse 17 like the spread of gangrene. Now, I did a little bit of research on gangrene, but I recognize we got several nurses in the room. So I'm not gonna call them up to explain that to us because it may make you lose your lunch. So nurses, help me out. If I explain this correctly, give me the nod, okay? Gangrene, simply put, for the sake of everybody in the room, is the decay of tissue in part of the body where blood supply is blocked due to injury or, Ill, or, Ill, or disease. If not treated, it can spread through the body and eventually bring about death. Am I correct? I got thumbs up. Thank you, nurses. You see, false teaching 
will do the same thing that gangrene will do. If not treated, it will slowly eat through the lives of individuals and then it will spread through the entire body of Christ. You see, we are now living in a time where many churches, even churches around us, we are now living in a time where false teaching is rampant in many of the churches that we see. We now hear truths like this. Well, whatever is true for you is simply true for you. We hear phrases like, well, if that's what you believe, that's okay, you do you. Or we may hear this, well, if that's what you believe, then that's your truth. The reality is all these phrases are a miss. These phrases miss the target. You see, there is but one capital T Truth, and it is found in the mission and the message of Jesus Christ our Lord and in his holy word. So you see, in the midst of these hard times that we are now living in, in the midst of hearing these frustrations and what it's going to be like living amongst false teachers, notice what Paul does here. He reminds Timothy of the hope that can be found in Christ. Notice what he says to him in verse 19. He says, but God's firm foundation stands. Now, this foundation that Paul is referring to is both God's word, but it is also God's church. So Paul is saying to Timothy, do not despair, Christian. The church will go on because God alone is sovereign. His plans are providential, and he has a people for himself. In other words, as destructive as false teaching is, it will not ever devastate God's church. No false teacher will ever steal the church away from God and all that belong to God. So you see, after calling Timothy to be the good worker... After calling him to be the approved worker, Paul now turns his attention to the second image that we see in verses 20 through 22. He calls Timothy to the image of the clean vessel. Now, in these particular passages, Paul now uses household images in order to describe uh, the lifestyle of responsible biblical teachers in the following verses, in verses 20 through 22. He gives us the image of gold and silver vessels, which were used for honorable use. And then he gives us the image of wood and clay vessels, which were used more for ordinary or dishonorable use. Now, one vessel we see was used for special occasions, while the other for menial tasks. And after being completed with their menial tasks, often these particular vessels would be thrown away with their contents still in them. Paul then gives Timothy the image of the great house, which is a representation of the visible church. He then gives the image of the vessels, which again are the two types of teachers. So when you read this passage, we can see that faithful gospel teachers are called to be honorable vessels used by the master of the house. And so it's at this point that we have to ask ourselves, how do we become an honorable vessel? Well, Paul teaches us in both life and doctrine that we should cleanse ourselves from what is dishonorable. He says this in verse 21. In other words, Paul's telling Timothy here that we are all called to be set apart as believers in Christ. 
Just like Timothy today, we are called now to both pursue pure doctrine, but also pure living. And so this particular charge and image for Timothy is actually similar to what Paul has already given us when giving us the qualifications for pastor elders uh, back in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1. And so when we look again at verses 22 and 23, we begin to see specifically how we are called to purify ourselves and to then be set apart as useful vessels for the Lord. Paul tells Timothy, flee youthful passions and have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant conversations. Now again, if you're one of those people who underline your Bible, can I encourage you to do something for me? Okay, I'm not, I'm not trying to brag here. This is not a brag moment at all. But pastors who are worth their weight in gold spend a lot of time focused on preparing a sermon each and every week. I am one of those individuals. Corey is one of those individuals as well. But what I would want you to do, whether in Bible study, in your Sunday schools, in your gospel communities, whether you meet in person or in Zoom, when you study the word of God together, would you do yourself a favor and over the next day or two revisit the text? And so I'm going to encourage you, over the next two days, revisit the text. Revisit verses 14 through 26, and here's what I would want you to do. Go through and mark every time you see Paul making reference to controversies and quarrels that are foolish and ignorant. It's almost as if Paul was alive and well today. I mean, just look at some of the conversations that we are now having as faithful believers in Christ. Look at the things that we're saying. Look at the things that we're posting. Look at the arguments that we're having on social media. You know, I got to tell you, I don't understand why people argue over social media. I get this phone call every week from people asking me, Pastor, why do you not, uh, why do you not post more things on social media? Can I just answer that now? Because social media should have no bearing over my life. I compare an argument over social media like playing the game Battleship. You're just guessing at this point. You're hoping that you hit a target. And if you do, good for you. But just like the game of Battleship, eventually it needs to end. The controversies just need to stop. Have we ever won anybody over in any of our posts? No. But I promise you this, we're going to be held accountable for them. We're going to be held accountable for what we say. We're going to be held accountable for what we post. And I promise you, the conversation you won't have will be God looking at you and saying, hey, that post you had on May 23rd, 2019, high five. That was great. He's going to hold us accountable to our words. He's going to hold us accountable to the ugliness, to the controversy and the quarrels that we found ourselves in. You see, the reality is, man, if we're going to have conversations, let's make sure these conversations are not foolish and ignorant. If you see somebody say something or post something that you disagree with, do yourself a favor, meet with them face to face and have that conversation with them together. You see, why would Paul, now we get back to our text, why would Paul say to us, avoid these things, avoid foolishness, avoid ignorance, Avoid these controversies. Well, here's the answer. The answer is because we are always going to be tempted to quarrel. 
We are always going to be tempted to, to be unkind. We are always going to be tempted to be harsh. In fact, our natural tendency as wretched sinners in need of a Savior, we will always be bent towards impatience. We will always be bent towards arrogance and towards being stubborn and reckless and harsh and unkind. And so here is Paul calling Timothy and us today to flee from these things and to flee from the things that are not Christ-like. But notice what Paul does next. He then tells Timothy what to pursue. He tells him to pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. In other words, we are to flee like a fugitive from that which is not Christ-like and actively train ourselves or run towards that which is pure and right and of the Lord. You see, it is not simply enough to say no to sin. We also have to be willing to say yes to God and turn our minds and our behaviors away from sin. We need to be a people who spend the capacity of our mind meditating on the person, position, and work, and call of Christ Jesus our Lord. If we're going to delight in anything today, if we're going to think upon anything today, then let's take time to delight and think upon the finished work of Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, our priority should be to live as clean vessels so that we can be useful to the master. But note this, please. The condition of usefulness is not skillfulness, but rather holiness. You see, Spurgeon said it best when he said, but let a, man, let a man once become really holy, even though he has but the slenderest possible ability, and he will be a fitter instrument in God's hand than the man of gigantic accomplishments who is not obedient to the divine will or clean and pure in the sight of Lord God Almighty. So now we have to ask ourselves, in light of the calling of Paul to be a clean vessel, in the light of the calling to being a faithful gospel teacher, are we fleeing from sin? Are we pursuing Christ Jesus our Lord? Are we being found as vessels prepared and ready to be used by God, saying, Lord, wherever, whenever, I am your vessel? I am your worker, I am your servant, and I will go. This brings us to our third image that we find in verses 23 through 26. Here we see the image of the Lord's servant. Now again, this is Paul's final image, and he again tells us to avoid word battles. Again, I would encourage you, go back, underline or circle every time you see foolish and ignorant controversies, because here it is again. He says to avoid foolish, ignorant controversies. Again, Paul, Paul here is talking of avoiding foolish debates about speculations, foolish debates about myths, foolish debates about genealogy. So as teachers of the word of God, as guardians of the gospel, the reality is there's going to be some debates that we can have, that we must have, and we're not going to be able to avoid the controversy at all. 
These are the debates, though, when people are taking the word of God out of context. These are the debates where people are saying it's not just enough to have the word of God. You have to have the word of God and whatever theory. Or you have to have the word of God and whatever national issue you want to deal with. No, we just need the word of God. Can I just say something to you? And I want to say this with as gently and as kind as possible uh, that I can. The, the time has come for us to end the conversation over masks. Can we please stop that? I'm not going to sit here and tell you whether or not you should wear a mask. I'm not going to do that. But what I will tell you is this, is if people want to wear a mask, don't judge them for it. Don't, don't criticize them in the middle of a store. If you're a person who wears a mask and you see someone not wearing a mask, don't criticize them for it. That is their personal decision. However, I will say this, if you walk into a restaurant or a store and they recommend that you wear a mask or they mandate it, then by the grace of God, can you just wear it? Just wear it. Here at the church, we encourage it, but we don't mandate it. Why? Because we can't. Why? Because we have plenty of space. But what I don't want to see, and I'm tired of seeing this, is Christians over and over and over again arguing over the importance of a mask. Now, I'm not trying to downplay masks, but I will say this. There are more important issues to worry about. Please make the best decision you can for your family and then respect others around you. You know, here's one of the things that has grieved my heart recently. I don't know if many of you this week, or yeah, this, actually this past week, it feels like forever ago at this point, but many of you may have been watching uh, the inauguration. And I don't know how you are about the inauguration. I, I enjoy the inauguration regardless of who's being inaugurated as president because I love all the pomp and circumstance. I think it's the coolest thing in the world. I think it's amazing that our president gets in a limo that you know, drives better than most Porsches but probably handles like a tank and has people and guns all around him. I just think it's the coolest thing. I think pastors rightly deserve that same type of vehicle. True story. I think many of us who have sat in traffic probably feel the same way. We too need this type of vehicle. But it's just amazing. It, the, whole, the whole thing is just, it's beautiful. It's amazing. It's right. It's wonderful. But what I noticed was on the channel that I was watching in particular, they kept flashing up numbers. And it was numbers of COVID cases that we've seen in the United States. And then they gave us the number of how many deaths that we've seen in the United States. And many of us have argued about these deaths and whether or not it was COVID related or whether or not it wasn't. Can I just say to you that if you want to argue over that, can I, can I just say that you're arguing over something that is controversial and irrelevant? Can I say to you what matters most is this? What matters most in over the 400,000 deaths that we've seen in our country from COVID-19, what it should teach us is that we as humans are frail. We as humans do not know the number of the days of our lives. We are in the hands of a sovereign God. The fact that a pandemic can start in a country that just seems like it's on the other side of the world, or at least it appears that way on a map, it can originate there and then just jump across the world, affecting so many people. So if anything, COVID-19 should teach us how frail we are. But at the same time, it should create within us an urgency. Because how many of those 400,000 people died, stood before God, declared him as Lord, and realized that never once did they know him as Lord on this earth? There should be an urgency 
about our proclamation of the gospel. The fact that within a year, 400,000 people can die, whether or not it's COVID-related, I know that number is higher, but the fact that people can just die in an instant, it should convict us as believers and challenge us on where we are spending our conversations and what conversation we should be having. You see, we need to be people who stand on the truth. We need to people who stand on the truth that comes from the word of God. We need to be fighting battles. When people misquote the Bible or misrepresent the Bible, then we need to stand up against that. However, the controversies, again, coming back to verse 23 to 26, that Paul is speaking to refers to the things that really do not deserve the time nor the energy. And yet that seems to be what many of us waste our time on. You see, the truth is this. Senseless arguments will only breed division. They will only breed quarreling. And so as faithful gospel teachers, we are now called to be devoted to preaching revelation according to the word of God and not debating man's speculation. But now notice what Paul does next. Paul now states that the servant should be kind to everyone. You see, as servants of the Lord, we are called to be gentle. And Paul actually states this when he then says, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Now again, gentleness does not mean timidity. Rather, gentleness is strength under control. And so Timothy is being called, just like we are today, to correct our opponents, but to do so gently. You see, our goal should be to lead people to repentance in hopes, according to Paul, to leading them to a knowledge of truth, according to verse 25. You see, for faithful gospel teachers who are called to be the Lord's servants, we are the ones who should desire not to tear down people, but rather we should desire to see them corrected in grace from their false teaching and then to see them turn from their sin and turn to Jesus Christ the Lord, declaring that he alone is Savior and God. This is why Paul then says in verse 26, that he wants to see people come to their senses and then pay attention to these words. Escape from the snare of the devil. You see, there's another phrase that you need to underline and we need to pay careful attention to because I want you to pay attention to what Paul is proclaiming here. Notice where he's placing the warfare. Those who oppose the gospel, according to Paul, are people who are in the grips of the evil one. They are people who desperately need the truth of the gospel. And so we as believers need to realize that our battle is not with people created in the Imago Dei, created in the image of God. Rather, it is with the dark cosmic forces of this world that has its grip on the world. So if we're going to recognize anything today, let us recognize who it is that we are fighting. We are fighting against the evil forces. We are fighting against the devil himself. And so we are in the midst of spiritual warfare. Yet at the same time, let us recognize that we are on a rescue mission to save those that are in the grip of the devil himself. So let us recognize who it is that we are fighting. And let us begin praying. Let me give you a real tangible example. 
Again, let me go to social media. And again, I try to stay off social media now, but let me just say this. For every negative post that we see about whatever politician, let's stop and pray for him before we post it. Let's stop and pray because we need to realize whether it's, whether it's Donald Trump, our outgoing president, or whether it's Joe Biden, our current president, both of these men are in need of the saving grace of God that is found through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Both of these men can have their hearts pierced by the grace of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord and so we as believers in Christ need to be praying for them you see as the Lord's servants we need to make sure that we stay on task with what it is that we have been called to and what it is that we have been called to can be found in Matthew chapter 28 we are called to make disciples of the nations So you see the call, the call that Paul gives us today in our text, man, it is weighty. This is heavy, but it's one that we all need to seriously consider. You see, as faithful gospel teachers, we are called to be unashamed of the gospel. We are called to be diligent in the study of the word of God for the purpose of accurately teaching and proclaiming the word of God. We are called to maintain both puri- uh, maintain purity in both life and doctrine in order to be found faithful and useful by the master. We are called to flee youthful passions and therefore pursue Jesus Christ. We are called to avoid foolish controversies. And so as faithful gospel teachers, let us gently speak truth, praying that God will grant repentance and that God will grant healing to those around us and also for ourselves. You see, we need to pay attention there because again, this gospel message is for us too. We are gonna fail. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you as your pastor, and and Corey alluded to this, thank you, brother. I, I have already failed this morning. As a believer, there, were, there was a moment today where Corey and I almost huddled up here on the floor, not by Corey's conviction, more mine, and we almost prayed fire down from heaven on several situations that we were dealing with this morning. There was a real possibility that if we prayed that way, we may not be meeting right now in this building. But it was just a very frustrating and angry morning. And so I, I literally took this passage and went back to my office and I said, okay, I need to preach this one to myself today. Because the reality is all of us will fail. I'm going to fail. Corey's going to fail. Your elders will fail. We are all going to fail. But that's not an excuse. That's not justification for sin. All of us are going to fail. And so we all need to realize how desperate we are for the message of the good news of the gospel. Because you see, when you look to the gospel, when you look to the good news of Jesus Christ, you will see that Jesus never fails. It was Jesus who set the example as the approved workman who perfectly taught God's word. It is Jesus who is the clean vessel who was set apart to rescue sinners. It is Jesus who is the Lord's ultimate servant who went to the cross on our behalf and died the death that we deserved. And yet, as we know the rest of the story, on the third day, it was Jesus who rose and declared victory over sin and death. You see, our example is Jesus Christ the Lord's servant. 
Not only is he the model for all teachers, but he is also the one who gives us the power to accomplish the mission of teaching and proclaiming the very word of God. So this morning, let us look to Christ. Let us find our victory in him. And then as we leave this place today, let us boldly proclaim the goodness of who he is because all of us are called to be faithful gospel teachers. Let's pray together.